guys, hello and welcome back. I'm Jojo Fraser. It's time for a Mojo Injection episode 99. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for coming back um, time and time again if you're a regular listener. And if you're new, welcome. It's really nice to have you here. It's lovely to meet you via online um chat and yeah just thank you for being here the intention of this podcast is to normalize the really hard discussions and to have a little bit of fun in the process because as we say in the episode this week when we take yourself too seriously that can be quite damaging um and some of the things i laugh you know when you when you reach a level of self-awareness and you know your flaws and you know your weaknesses and um, when you're able to laugh about them it's really really good for the mojo um but this week i'm taking you on a serious roller coaster um but first i just want to say a massive thank you to everyone who's reached out um since i published an article on my wedding anniversary thursday the 3rd of um september 2020 is our nine-year wedding anniversary and i wrote a very very deep piece as i do every year about marriage and what it teaches me but at the start of this year i really didn't think i would still be married by this point because whoa what a roller coaster we went through and um yeah, the article I wrote, you can find it on Mummy Jojo, one of the, probably the top article at the moment. Um, nine years in sickness and in mental health, uh, nine years married today is a title. And it's very honest, very raw, very real. And um, I did that with the intention of helping people. I didn't know how big a reaction it would get um, so soon and how many people would relate to it. And I've had so many texts and emails and, and messages on social it's just been quite overwhelming actually and um it's it's definitely um it was something i needed to do as part of the recovery from my own issues the start of the year my own illness um it was kind of something that i did have to to share and put out there and it feels like a bit of a milestone for me talking about that and being able to get quite deep um so thank you if you've read that and you've fed back and if not maybe you want to go check it out or share it with someone who may be struggling with their mental health with their relationships um yeah so okay guys so today we are talking about lou who written by louise johnson an amazing memoir um that covers so many topics that impact us all and I could really relate to a lot of it and um, yeah we're going to go on a bit of a journey there's nothing off limits we're talking all sorts um, so I met Louise she's a great friend of mine um, her background's in sales and marketing so we actually met in lovely boutique hotels in the sales and marketing team um, she was born in Edinburgh Scotland and since 2013 Louise has been um, living in Vancouver um, Canada has become her home, a place where she's healed. Um, so she's been furthering her career in sales and marketing, but also wrote her first memoir in 2019, Lou Who, which is making a lot of noise, um, nailing the Amazon charts as well. So following a transformative six-year period and a traumatic divorce, um, she just shares so much of that journey with us. Her writing style is totally 
anything but sugar-coated, which is what I'm all about. <laughs> As a writer, she believes in conveying her experiences using a mixture of stark reality and dark humour. And as a woman, she is definitely not afraid to tell the truth. So I want to jump in and this is my ideal interview. If someone is all in, um, it just makes for a really fascinating discussion. So guys, all the, the link in bio and um, all the sort of content across the channel, such as Spotify, will tell you more about Louise and have links to how you can contact her. So let's do it. Let's bring the energy, let's bring the mojo and share openly, hoping that it will start conversations for you guys that perhaps you've been afraid to bring up or it will just be healing for you or if anything, just an entertaining listen. Okay, let's do it. Hello, my darling. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Oh, it's great to be in bed with you. <laughs> well, you're not in bed. Uh, I'm in bed. It just felt right because I've read most of this book in bed. And, uh, you know, there's deep bits, there's emotional bits, there's raunchy bits. Um, yeah, it takes you on a journey. So I feel like I just wanted to be in bed for recording this. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of a lot of stories uh, that include uh, being in bed. Yeah, <laughs> either either through depression or because I'm having a good time with someone. Yes, <laughs> I love it. The the highs and the lows because you've got the, you've got this amazing line and you can't experience the highs if you you haven't if you don't have the lows. You know, and it's so true, isn't it? Yeah, I think that that was something that I really had to just settle into and accept in, in that if you try to the downs and you try and always be happy, I think your, your capacity for the highs and your capacity for appreciating the highs is lessened because you haven't experienced those lows. And mm -hmm. I mean, I, I talk a lot about gratitude in the book and that's kind of where that comes from is because having had those really awful days and those hard times, I appreciate what may have otherwise seemed like mediocre days now seem like great days because they're just, they're, they're much easier than, than other days that I've had. And so, yeah, really feeling all of it, I think all the feels, I guess, is the thing is, is having that complete sort of scale of emotion and um, yeah, you, you cannot have those highs if you don't have the lows. Like that's just, it's unfortunate, but it is true. And so, um, yeah, now I'm, I'm a little more accepting of the lows, knowing that all that they will bring me is a greater appreciation of the highs. It's amazing. And, and you'd said to me in the past, you know, being comfortable with sitting in the dark <laughs> and almost finding it satisfying in a weird way. Yeah, yeah. We are so conditioned, I think, to try and avoid feeling negative feelings. And I mean, even the word is negative, you know, that, that, that you shouldn't be or that they're not right or, you know, and, and people ban phrases of, you know, like pull yourself together or it'll get better. And, but it, that it, it's a life experience to have, you know, to have difficult days, to have traumatic experiences. So to try and dumb them down or ignore them or bottle them up or compartmentalize them, um, while yes, it can be useful to kind of just get yourself through you know, existence for a little while, ultimately you do have to then sit with them. You can't, they will always be there if you don't deal with them. And I think that I talk about that a lot in the book about people and myself to some degree of, you know, there being things that I just hadn't fully dealt with. Um, 
and it will come back and it will bite you in the ass. Like, it, you know, you cannot outrun it. Like, I think that's what we often hope for. And I think um, that's when we then get tripped up. And so you do have to really get comfortable with truly sitting in those really dark, dark moments and those dark days. And um, yeah, getting a little comfortable with it. And, and the self-reflection that comes with it and the self-awareness that comes with it is huge. Like, I don't think, I don't know that you can get that any other way. Um, again, unfortunate, but kind of true and that you kind of have to go through those things to really, to really, um, to, to appreciate is that it's trying to teach you. And again, to, to get to that sense of gratitude, I think that, um, if you, if you don't sit in it and you don't really, um, listen to to those feelings and they can be so complex as well. Like it can be layered on layered, you know, like for me, I went through my divorce and but then there was all these feelings from my parents' divorce and there was all these narratives that we've been told either from a family perspective or a social perspective and it all just layers in and I think unless you can really go in and start to peel those back, um, you, you're you never going to truly get to the bottom of it or get a sense of yourself because those emotions, those tra traumatic experiences are all part of who we are and kind of build our character as we, as we well know, like they, they turn you into the person that you become. So I'm um, trying to, yeah, trying to outrun them. I don't think is, it's not a long-term strategy, you know, <laughs> like it's, it's not a, it's not a, it's not going to last forever for sure. So yeah, getting comfortable with the darkness um, sounds really, does that sound really terrible? Uh, but no, that's, I loved that's, it. You know, <laughs> I loved it. I loved it in quite a dark place when you gave me that advice and I was like I really love that that is great <laughs> yeah I, re I remember I remember that night I remember it so well I was sitting on my on the pink sofa and I was uh, and we were messaging and yeah and I said that to you because I, I truly believe that it's you know we can so much attempt to just desperately want to feel better but if you don't feel worse first then I don't think you can necessarily get to that better place I think that's the key yeah so before we dive into some stories in the book and some of my little highlights and unpick yeah. a little bit I'll ask quite a, a, probably everyone's asked you this but to to share a sort of memoir that's so you know real and raw what was the kind of ultimate sort of inspiration behind deciding right I'm going to do this I'm going to share it all with the world yeah, I don't know. I don't know quite when I decided that that seemed like a really good idea. Um, I guess it had always been in my head. And I, actually, I had a conversation with one of my best, my best friend at home, Lisa, who you know as well. Um, her and I, years ago, like years and years ago, when we were both still married and neither of us are married anymore. And I remember the four of us were out for dinner and I actually know exactly where it was. But anyway, we had a conversation and I laughed and said, and I'd already had marital problems at this point. And so I don't think I necessarily said it as a threat, but I did say, oh, <laughs> I think there's a book in me. And at that point, I'm more meant like because of my upbringing in Egypt and my parents' divorce and more from that perspective. So I said it like, I mean, this is decades ago or a decade ago, I guess. Um, and uh, anyway, kind of a little flippantly, I guess. Then um, I started blogging in 2017 and I started blogging about my dates when I'd started dating again. Um, and sort of people would be like, oh, is this, you know, you should make this a book. And I was like, oh, a book of just like dating stories doesn't seem that compelling. Um, but I had a friend who was very, uh, 
very uh, driven to get me to do it. And so it was always kind of in the back of my head. And then my job, job circumstance changed. And I was just like, you know, it's now or never. And then, as you know, I'm a fairly open book generally with friends and people that I meet. And so it didn't feel like a huge barrier to being like, oh, I'm just going to put all of this out there. But once I did it, and then it like got into like the editing stages and then like the proofreading stages. And then like I sent my mom uh, an early copy to read. And at that point I was like, oh wait, like are we doing this? By which point we were too far down the road for me really not to. So yes, I was doing it, but I don't know. I don't even know if I really made a conscious decision. It just really felt like the right thing to do. Like it felt really risky, but in t- deep, deep down internally, there was this feeling like, no, this is exactly what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. And so I did it. And so here we are. Because <laughs> the fear state can stop you from doing things. It's quite a low vibrational 100%. state, isn't it? But you yeah. know, you've got that intuition telling you, I want to do this. It's almost yes. like no time for the fear. No, you don't. And that's the thing. Like, you know, it's, you know, the fear is there. And you know, the, to some degree, rational, like it, it is a risky thing to put all of that out there. And you, I mean, once it's out there, you cannot take it back. You also can't control where it goes. So yes, I can, I can decide who I'm going to tell my stories to, but in the same way that you can't then, you know, dictate who they tell them to or who they pass it on to. And so it's the same with the book. And, and I think, you know, it really takes it out of your hands. So there is some rationale to it feeling risky and to there being fear around it. But yeah, you're right. In terms of letting that stop you from doing something, for me, the intuition and that gut feeling that I talk about in the book, that gut feeling overrode that entirely. Like, like it just there, I was like, oh, I know this is kind of a little bit crazy, but who cares? We're going to, we're just going to go all in, you know? So that's what we did. All in. That was my expression last year. I probably went all in a bit too much. <laughs> but all in is good. If you're going to show up, show up fully. And that's 100%. You, that's yeah, I did, and I didn't, I didn't want to write the book. I mean, and don't get me wrong. There are obviously things that I haven't fully shared. You know, there's certain stories or, you know, certain family dynamics that I, I haven't gone into detail in. But I think that it is as true as I could be and to tell the story that I wanted to tell in terms of my own personal development um, without telling anyone else's story is really key for me. It was my story that I wanted to tell. And yes, there's obviously other people in it, but I'm not trying to tell their stories. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to be authentic and, and for it to be relatable. Like I don't want someone to be like, Oh, well this is like a nice, surface level read like I want people to feel like oh she really she really went there like she took me there with her you know um and I hope I hope it does that I think it does that yeah surface level's boring isn't it I I, even on dates I'm like please don't talk about surface level stuff like I'm just not interested and I think that's one of my problems with dating is like I want to get really deep really quickly and that scares some people which um is also a good indicator that they're probably not for me but it's yeah surface level like who's here for that who has time for it (laughs) so at the start of the book you know you speak quite openly about the divorce and about the process and about the horrible experiences that you went through I was at your wedding and it was like a dream wedding you know you you got on the boat from the church to your marquee you know you know it was a dream wedding and and nobody goes into marriage planning to get divorced um And, you know, it was pretty tough, like what went on for you. And you, you speak really openly about that. But so well done on being brave, because that, that must have been hard to. Yeah. 
to go there and you speak about trying to hold on uh, but not being able to trust you know your husband had really let you down you'd been together for so long and you just yeah. couldn't trust and and ultimately you knew that you you weren't aligned anymore even though yeah. you were trying you know when someone has an affair or they deceive you or they let you down trust is, is so key but there was a line in the book that you said life just seemed a little bit bland when you weren't in the in a relationship that was right and I loved that like life had gone from exciting and hopeful and you know promising and then you yeah. went through all that trauma had your yeah. heart broken really tried to hang on though yeah for the marriage for the vows and all that but life just seemed a little bit bland I loved that yeah I mean and you know we so we what we married a year apart and so you know what it was like we were young we and, and relatively we were weren't young when we got married I was 25 um when I got married and but I don't go into the conversation like I don't I don't buy into like oh you were too young to get married like I, that was not the issue um age was not the problem but I think that for me it was it was it was such a hopeful time like we were all at the beginning of our careers we were working together you know like you and I and and we both got married within a year of each other our weddings were so much fun I mean geez even now I can still sit like a great time at my wedding like my wedding was fabulous and I still have people say to me your wedding was one of the most fun weddings I've ever been to and I'm like well if nothing else like at least there was that you know what I mean um and it's true like we we and we also my ex and I had a wonderful life together like I think that's what made it harder was that we had an incredible group of friends we used to throw amazing dinner parties we used to go on great holidays you know we used to have wonderful weekend trips away and then it was just like it all just came crumbling down and it came that happened so quickly as well and I talk about like it wasn't months it wasn't years it was literal weeks after our wedding and I think to my head forever thereafter was just like it just couldn't catch up to to what had happened like it just could not put it together it was so shocking it was <clears throat> so disorientating and then, yeah, I did try. I tried for probably a little bit longer than I maybe should have in terms of trying to, to make it work, trying to fix what problems there obviously were. Um, but you can't do that by yourself. And you can't do that if the other person is sorry for their actions, but only through words. Like they need to, the, you know, the, the positive form of, of apology is, is change behavior. And that was not something that I saw. And so I was trying to save this marriage that, you know, the other party was maybe not attempting to do in, in such, um, such a sort of uh, concerted effort. And so I was hanging on to this relationship, a lot of, a lot out of duty, I think, um, both to my husband, both to the vows, both to society, like, you know, there was, there was all of those things that were going through my head, but it just felt so bland and I just I the, the thought of that being my life for the rest of my life would take the the air out of my lungs like I just could not not having that be my life like the thought of that and I think seeing generations before who maybe haven't had divorce as such and it's not an easy option by any means but that haven't maybe had that as accessible to them and to watch those people struggle through marriages that they weren't happy in. I was like, I can't, I'm too young for this. Like I, I've got a lot of life ahead of me. And if that is what is all that I've get, like I, I can't do that. So yeah, it was just this real 
juxtaposition of going from this, you know, high, high of this wonderful wedding, you know, in a beautiful Scottish country with like all of our friends that flown in from all over the place. And we had such a good time and you're right. Nobody goes in. I don't think anybody goes into a, a marriage thinking that they will get divorced. And I certainly didn't. And, and then, you know, not that long after I was really having to <clears throat> contend with a complete change of life circumstance and trying to make a marriage work where there was no trust. Like it had just completely gone. Um, and then there was obviously elements of emotional and psychological abuse, which, you know, really start to, to, to play tricks on your mind and, and start to affect you. And so that, um, I think was where really, really tricky and really where that, that was where the trauma came from. I think, you know, if, if, if it had been a case of like, Oh, he cheated and I left and that was it. I think, you know, it still would have been difficult, but I think it, it might've been a little less traumatic, but, um, yeah, all of the kind of the behavior that went with it was just, um, yeah, difficult, difficult to deal with. So yeah, life just felt a little not, not great there, you know, and then eventually you have to make a change because otherwise, like I say, what are you going to put up with that forever? Like, I, I would not want that for anybody. So, um, yeah, it, it, it got, it got dark. dark yeah. <laughs> and, and you use the word gaslighting, which is, it's quite a sort of widely spoken about word these days, which is great because yes. a lot of people get that. You know, the guy yeah. makes you out to be crazy. I was watching Homeland last night, actually, and it was um, Carrie, the character in it. She's like manic, so I was relating to that when I've been there myself. And uh, she calls and she's on to him, but she's really on to him that he's going to do something really bad. And he totally gaslights her and gets her shut down and he... he he makes her out to be crazy. Now she is mentally unwell, but she's, do you know what I mean? Oh, right. Yeah. Cause, cause even if you've, you know, got depression, chronic stress, a mental illness, you've, you've you're still in there as well. So yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. you're going through serious trauma. Yeah. Um, but then it's like, how could you, you know, you're wrong. You're silly to think this and all that yeah. sort of stuff. And, and it's, it's, and it's not exclusively, you know, male to female at all. Unfortunately, however, that the 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 most common, um, you know, experience of it is that a, a man will gaslight a woman, um, especially in in you know, romantic relationships. Um, and so there's that power, like it, that's what it is. It, it's it's them taking power away from you. And I think, especially in the circumstance that we were in, you don't you know, and, and well, you know this, and, and, and you're kind of breaking a lot of those taboos, is you, people don't like to talk about their, or air their dirty laundry, right? Like you really, you don't want people to know that you have issues in your marriage. And I mean, I told a very small circle of people when, when we first had problems and, and I had moved out, um, because, uh, you know, there's, an, there's a shame that comes with it. And, and, and you know, you, you want to kind of pretend like everything is fine. And so, but as a result of doing that, while he is then gaslighting me and telling me, you know, barefaced lies me, I don't have anyone to sense check that with. I don't have anyone to like anchor me and be like, no, 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 you are right. He's, you know, talking out of his ass. Like you don't. So, so then as you alienate yourself or, or other people from, being part of that conversation there's no one to, to sort of play mediator or to say no he's yeah he, he's gaslighting you and so it took a really long time I mean because as well you don't you you kind of don't want to I didn't want to believe a lot of it and so yeah the accusations that I was leveling at him 
I was in my head, I'm like, yeah, I can't believe he would do that either. And he's like, I can't believe you would do that. I'm like, I can't believe you would think I would do that. And I was like, yeah, no, how, how could you, why would I think he'd done that? But there was all these clues and there was all this proof. And so, you know, that really starts to wear you down. And when the person you love the most in the world is lying to you in so many different ways, you start to not only mistrust them, but you start to mistrust yourself. Like that gut instinct, that, that, you know, gut feeling that women's intuition, whatever it is that, that, you know, typically I would always follow. I started to guess that. And that's, that's brutal to get to that point where someone has worn you down and someone has taken that from you. Um, because then it's like, what, what are you left with? You've lost your sense of self. You've lost your sense of worth. You've lost your self-trust. Um, so to go from that, and then you have to make a life decision about, okay, I'm going to leave my husband. I don't even know who I am at this point, but I'm, apparently I'm going to go and start a new life. Like what? Like, I'm not sure how to do this. So um, it's, and, and it's a real serious problem. And I think that's where, like I say, you have done an incredible job of, of speaking openly about so many topics, but, it, but also your marriage. And I think that it's something, whether it's within you know, your friend or peer groups or family, that the more we can have open conversations, and that's not to say that you air dirty laundry and you, you know, talk about every little you know, disagreement that you have, but I think that where there are issues and where you, you're struggling to find a safe space to be able to, to have a second opinion, to have someone that can, can grind you and can anchor you just one person's opinion, even if it is the person that you love and trust most in the world, um, I will say I don't think that you can trust anybody a hundred percent um or know ever, somebody else a hundred percent i i don't believe that um so yeah i think it's really important to, to find someone that can give you that sense of of like a, a sense check you know because the gaslighting is a is psychological abuse and and i think when you're in it you can't even see it either and that's one of the biggest yeah so speak out and just don't be yeah. don't be afraid do you think he'll read the book a couple of people have asked me that i don't i mean i don't have any contact with him anymore um i think we still have mutual friends ish or you know friends and, and people that follow on certain social media sites um so whether he even knows about it or not i don't know i mean <laughs> do I care? Not really. I, I'm, I'm indifferent now to him um, and, and to what his feelings might be on it. The interesting thing is I think in my head and, and, you know, I talk about it a little bit in the book, but he denied everything. I mean, his, his strategy was deny, 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 like de just deny, like everything. De my name? No, deny that too. Like just absolutely um, do not, you know, accept responsibility for anything. And so in my head, I have all, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll think, I wonder if, I wonder if he would take responsibility or, or admit to any of it now. Like, I wonder if he's grown enough and if he's had reflective moments where he's accepted what happened. Um, and that's the only part that I'm like, hmm, maybe I, if he reads the book, he might, there might be an interaction. That's not something I want to, per se, but yeah, I, you know, again, I don't know where the book ends up. Who knows? So I'll read it and I will never know. But um, yeah, it, it, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure he would, I'm sure he'd find it interesting. <laughs> Oh my goodness, because I remember when I wrote when I wrote mine in this chapter zone about relationships and little snippets from a diary and I remember thinking I wonder if any exes will read this. <laughs> but 
the thing for me, like, you know, there's so many men in the book that I was like, oh God. And I think that because he is, I mean, that story is so central to, to my story. Um, and, and obviously as, as a product of that, he is central to the story. Um, but he's so far removed from my life now that I, you know, he's like the last person I kind of thought of. And I think interestingly, my mom and I had that conversation. She was really, really worried about the book and she was worried about people reading and people that are in it, reading it and, and not liking what I had said about them, to which I replied, if they don't like what I said about them, maybe they, they shouldn't have done what they did if that's what the problem is. Um, but also if they want to write a book in reply, they're more than welcome to. And I would love to read that. Um, but then, but I think, and I think for her, like in, in her mind, still being in Scotland, not being as privy to all the dating and, and all that kind of stuff that's gone on here, you know, in her mind, like my ex and my dad, for example, are, are forefront of her mind when she talks about that. I, I talk about him in the book as well. <clears throat> Whereas for me, they're so far removed from my life that they're like the last people that I thought of when I was writing the book. Instead, I'm thinking of the guys that I've just recently dated who are still kind of in my life and who might read the book. But um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know, it's out there if they want to read it and then give me their feedback. Um, I'm here for it. Sure. <laughs> I love it. There's a line and it says, people can only meet you as deeply as they've met themselves. I just love that because you, you're you so like me in the sense, you wear your heart on your sleeve, you know, you move out to Vancouver and you're, you're dating and you're, you're open to love after being through all of this. You really are open to it and you feel deeply and you, you go for it and sometimes there's a you know your heart you're let down you're confused by these guys <laughs> and I just thought that line sums things up perfectly and what we were just saying about your marriage people can yeah. only meet you as deeply as they've met themselves so you've obviously met yourself you've been on this discovery um pretty deeply and you've done a lot of internal work yeah yeah and, and I don't I don't necessarily take um <clears throat> take uh, credit for that line it's something that I've, I've heard a lot and and it's true because I can be as vulnerable and as open with people as as I as I am and as I want to be but for a lot of people that does scare them and and a lot of times as we know fear and judgment um comes from a place of unknown and it comes from from a, a place of, of your own fear and your own lack of want to self-reflect especially when someone is kind of you know open in front of you and and there is that then like to, to level that playing field you kind of need to be there as well and if that isn't something that that you personally feel comfortable with then oftentimes actually it, sh it causes people to shut down more which i think i've definitely experienced um but it, it is something that now i think i want some, you know, for me to be with someone, it would have to be with someone who has also done inner work, who has also met themselves to some degree, who has, who has had some form of, and I, I said this to a few people, it's not, and I think I write this in the book as well, it's not an age thing that, that I care about. It's a life experience thing. It is that sense of yourself, a sense of growth, a sense of continuing to grow. Um, because yeah, I can be as open and as honest and, you know, as, as, uh, as vulnerable as I want, but if if the other person isn't there, then they may still respect you for for you getting there. But it's it's not going to be something where they can match you, and so you're then left with this imbalance. Mm -hmm. um, and I think from from friendship perspective, from a relationship perspective, that doesn't work. Like that just um, 
that that throws things off balance and so yeah you you need people that are also on that line and I think I think it was maybe something as well that when you really started going down that route of it and especially doing it openly and publicly there was still a part of me that was like oh this is this is this is bold like this is you know this is really this is confronting like that's what it is because when someone else is out there doing it it confronts you and you're like oh well where am I like who am I what am I doing and so and if you're not doing it or you don't want to do it like to be confronted by it you're like I'm just gonna step back a little bit but if you are in it and you you know you're comfortable or you don't even have to be comfortable you're never it's not comfortable it's not supposed to be comfortable it's supposed to be you know this sense of growth which often happens in those uncomfortable moments and so yeah you but if you can invite someone to meet you there and they they get on board and they do that like that's that's a joy that's a gift right it's like creating that same um and I think that was part of the book thing was like getting people hopefully a little more comfortable with even if you're not having the conversations outwardly are you having them with yourself you know like that's the first step some honest internal conversations and then you can progress to having them outwardly and then you know publishing a book and having a podcast <laughs> the thing is as well though i'd read and you there was a line in it you were speaking about energy like when when you start like dating again and you're feeling these strong feelings it can really that romantic side that sort of oh i think i could be falling or i'm really excited it can sap a lot of your energy can't it yeah and i mean you you were similar i mean well you were dating i think uh still when i first met you and then you and then you just met uh scotty and so but i mean i'd been with neil for for a really long time and I think we were all in that sense of like, God, if I ever had to be single again, I don't know what I would do. Like I said those words, I, I said that um, um, very many times. And then I find myself single and I was like, well, now I don't really know what I'm going to do. And so that was part of the problem was, you know, getting into that, but also not just getting back into it after what happened and all of that trauma, but getting back into it at a time where it's like dating apps and ghosting and, you know, dick pics and all that good stuff. <laughs> so, dick pics. <laughs> Guys are such wankers sometimes, pardon the pun. Like, nobody ever, like, I don't think I've ever been like, oh, you know what I'd really like right now? I'd really like a dick pic. Like, it's just never something that's crossed my mind. Oh. Ever. And like those memes that are like, when you're just about to send a dick pic, don't send a picture of a dog. 100%. I would far rather a picture of a dog than I would a picture of a dick. Um, because or or I'd rather a picture of a man in a good suit like don't send me your penis I don't want to see it send me you your sharpest you know it takes away the you don't need to see it all you know where's the romance <laughs> but yeah I mean you know me is I'm like despite everything still this hopeless romantic and so you you know you get into these situations and they can become all consuming and it's exciting and you're getting to know someone but it does take a lot of energy and you have to be like, you know, on your game all the time and shave your legs. And it's like, well, this is a real hassle. But from an energy perspective, I think there is just like, you're giving a lot of yourself at that point. And you're not really sure that you're going to get it back. In fact, I think what I've found is most of the time you don't get it back. And so then you're, again, there's this imbalance of like this energy swap and that's, it, it's exhausting. It, and that's, I think why a lot of people now, uh, or certainly friends of mine that, that are currently dating, like we go through periods of 
you date and then you're like, I'm taking a break. I've deleted all the apps. That's it. I'm done. I'm done for like a couple of months. And then you get bored one night. You're like, I'm just going to download the app and just have a swipe. But um, yeah, the, the energy that it takes is, it is a lot, but you have to be open to it because otherwise what's the point? You know, if you go out there and you're kind of skeptical and kind of closed off, it's not going to find you. I mean, not that it's found me yet, but like eventually it will. <laughs> it's the energy of your thoughts as well, though, because when you're falling in love, um, and, and and there's a part in my book and a friend had said um, you fall in love so easily and I was like does that mean I really do fall in love like or do I think I'm falling in love yeah like how do you know like you, know. you get that excitement you, you're yeah. thinking about a person a lot oh well do they like me do they mm, <laughs> like what is that yeah and and now and you know especially now with like you know, replaying conversations in your head, but then you're rereading text conversations or you're checking social media to see where they've been, what they're up to, have they looked at my story? Like, there's just, there's too, it's too much. It, it, become, it can become all consuming. And I think, like, to your point as well, I feel that way. I feel I can start to feel very deeply, very quickly, which is not to say that I necessarily fall in love, um, but, but I can definitely get to that point. But my therapist always says, she's like, you don't want fireworks. She's like, you don't, the fireworks stop. She's like, you, it doesn't everyone, like at the end of a fireworks display, they're always like, oh, that felt really short. Like, you were that. She's like, and that's what happens. Like, they fizzle. You're kind of just left with like those little, like, rainy, like, sparkle bits, and they're not really great. She's like, that's not what you want. You want the building of a fire. You want the bonfire that, like, keeps growing. And I was like, oh, but the fireworks are so fun. And I mean, I, you know, there's stories in the book where there's fireworks and there's like trips to Mexico potentially and like stuff like that. And that's all fireworks and it's super exciting, but it's not really the reality. And it's not, you know, it's not what's going to probably stand you in the longest stead. And so, yeah, trying to balance that of like the fun excitement, but also like, you know, I'm not, I'm not getting any younger and also I don't have time for the games anymore or the back and forth. And so I would just like there to be just, you know, a person that you can just, you know, get to know better and, and have, have deeper experiences with and, and grow with. And, and I think that for me is really the goal. And so, yeah, those, those fireworks that then kind of extinguish is, is maybe not, not the ideal. It's like, I've had someone say to me in the past, oh, I'm really into platonic friendship love. Now, you speak about platonic friendships, but not really in that sort of way. But someone had said to me, oh, it's about sharing souls. So it's not sexual, but you share. It's a proper deep, deep friendship. And, and that's what they like more because they don't get hurt and all that stuff. I mean, what's your thoughts on that? Because you talk about it's Damien, right? Um, yeah, I mean, so I have a couple of very, very close good friends here um, that have become like family. I mean, when you live somewhere that you don't have family, I think most people will say that they end up with friends who, who feel that way. And certainly Damien is, is one of those guys. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, we, we just, we have a very, a very strong foundational relationship and friendship. And, you know, for me and him, it has for essentially forever being platonic. We, there was one night that I talk about in the book um, where I got very drunk and suggestive and it, it, we just, it got shut down by him. And I, the next day I was like, thank God for that. Cause I, I don't even think I wanted that. I was just very drunk. And so we then were able to build this really, this really strong friendship. And I have, you know, I have a, a very gr wonderful group of close friends here um, who, 
who I hold, who that trust that I have with and, and that, that connection is, is very deep. Um, and then the trust is key, especially when I don't have, have family here. And so for me, that, that's the friendships that I've developed. In terms of having platonic deep connections instead of romantic relationships or, or those fiery, you know, passionate relationships, I don't think that's for me. Like, I, you know, as much as I don't want there just to be fireworks that fizzle, there still has to be this real sense of passion and this real physical, uh, physical connection as well. Like, you know, I, I talk a lot about sex in the book and that is now I've realized for me, a really important part of any romantic relationship is I need that to be actually not the most important thing, but one of the priorities um, for me and my partner would be that that was, that that was working and working very well for both of us um, and frequently. And so like, I think that's just something that I've discovered. And so, yeah, the platonic soul thing, I mean, I'm definitely, I love the idea of it, but I, I think I would need just a little bit more than that, you know? What did I, I write last year? Sex without the souls meeting is like dancing without the music. So I'm the same. I'd rather have both. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, ideally. I mean, and clearly in the book, I talk a lot about sex without the souls meeting. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of dancing without music. Um, <laughs> I love that analogy. That's actually so funny. And you, you can still have a good time. Oh, you, know? you can have fun it's not the same it's not like having that connection and having that intimacy that you build with someone um yeah that's that's a different thing right takes it to the next level it does well and then also i think like again it's just another area that you get to grow together um although <laughs> although funny story i did have a, a first encounter with someone and it wasn't great but he was a really nice guy. This is since the book. So this will be book two if book two happens. So you're getting a preview. Um, we had an encounter. We, we slept together the first time and it wasn't, uh, there were some issues. And I was like, oh, I don't, I just don't know. Should I just like shut it down? And I was like, no, like ha be, a, be an adult, have the difficult conversation. You know, otherwise he was a pretty great guy. And so I had this awkward conversation with him while we were walking his dog one day. <laughs> And, and and I said, you know, how was it for you? Like, because I'm going to be honest with you, like, it just wasn't great for me uh, and kind of explain sort of why. I want to uh, know why. <laughs> those, those details are fascinating. Those are definitely going to book too. Uh, and, he, and he was very reciprocal, actually, was was super open to it. But he was like, you know, for me, I think that it's fine for, for it to be, you know, not great the first time and then you build on it. And actually, there's a similar story with, with uh, Italian Lebanese in the book. And I, I take his point that like, it should get better over time, but like your first time shouldn't be not good. You yeah. know what I mean? If, if you've got chemistry and energy. Exactly. Like the kiss alone before you, the, the dry, um, well, the dry humping, I, I, I called it dry sex, but uh, like, why is there not more time for dry, dry sex? Dry humping. On it, the dry humping no 100% like just like just just let it build like build it up that's the best bit oh the build the build the build <laughs> <laughs> but I got a sense that you really discovered your sexual energy when you moved to Canada like did you uh, did you just what was it that made it sort of heightened then honestly I think I had a blockage there before from 
both an emotional and a physical perspective. And I don't think I even knew that until after it had cleared. And then it all sort of happened at the same time. And so <clears throat> I think emotionally, I was still, even when I was with my, my ex, I, my ex-husband, there was emotional blockages that I had for my parents' divorce, 100%. And I'd been to therapy for that, really hit the spot. It didn't really clear that. So there was still some residual there. And I think also maybe it was never something that was going to be able to clear until I was older. And so that was there. Then you layer on my divorce. And then, you know, then I'm moving to a new place and I don't know myself and I don't trust myself anymore. Physically, there were things that I was not comfortable with myself about. Um, and then those things like at 32, I think that was like, oh, I just loved 32. I wish I could go back to being 32. That year was just phenomenal. And so that year was when I cleared a lot of that emotional stuff. I started to physically, there were things, um, both just from a, and, and yeah, it was from a, like an aesthetic body perspective, but actually more just like my body became waste or I discovered how strong my body was and I hadn't known that before and I or I maybe hadn't even tested that and I needed to know that before but I got into like hiking and stuff and I was going on like really long hikes and just things that before I'd have been like I can't do that or running half marathons um you know being able to do those things and I, so I think the emotional part the physical part all started to change and then I was really able to get in touch with myself um and then the kind of the comfort level sexuality really um and my sexual energy happened and that was like a real surprise to me um but like what a what a fun one to go through you know so um yeah I mean I and, and I had a, a good sex life with my ex-husband I you know I wouldn't say that there was any problems there but now it's a completely different thing like I just I hadn't really even thought about it before whereas now I like I say it's a priority for me in a relationship um it's a priority for me by myself. I think that's, um, that's another thing. And, and owning that and being comfortable with it are, are so important for me and, and in my relationship, like I say, with myself and with, with anyone that I'm dating, um, being able to, to lead in some ways with that and not be ashamed of it. Um, and society doesn't really lend itself to women doing that. You know, you get, there's a little bit of slut shaming still out there. So you, you kind of, again, I, that was one of the things of the book. I was like, do I really want to write about all these men I've slept with? And then I was like, yeah, because if I was a guy, I'd be getting high fives. Like, yeah, it's, it's really bad, isn't it? Women are allowed to feel and have passion and, uh, and fire. And that's yeah. great. I mean, is there one person or one night that stands out as being the very best, most, orgasmic time oh don't do this to me jojo um <laughs> honestly uh okay sure i'll go into this um so <laughs> <laughs> i'm just like oh i'm gonna upset so many people all um, in yeah all in i did say that i did say that um this stands out in my head and for a number of reasons actually um, was probably the first night with Hot Doctor. And the reason is because when he arrived at my house, well, first of all, I thought his pictures were fake because he was so attractive. And then he arrived at my house and I was like, oh, you actually do look like that. And then he seemed interest, still interested in me, which I was shocked by because again, like my sense of self-worth self was still kind of climbing at that point. And so I, was, I just thought he'd get there and be like, oh, and you're, you're not for me and, and kind of leave. But anyway, he was still very interested in me and we had a really nice night. And then we had really, really great sex um, and, and discovered that we had a lot of, of uh, 
things that we liked in common. And so that was great. And, and I just, rem I still have a, a very vivid <laughs> memory from that night of being like, oh, this is what it feels like to be like a really strong, passionate, sexual woman. And like, and I just, again, I hadn't necessarily experienced that or owned that before. And I had this incredibly attractive guy actually behind me at that point. And, and I just was thinking, <laughs> I was like, this is, I love this. Like, this is, this is so fun. But then, and I talk about it in the book, you know, after we lay and talked, we had these huge, deep and meaningful chats afterwards. And I think that was like what kind of cemented it. Like it could have just been great sex and that would have been it. But it was great sex followed by this, this real forming of, of, a connection and yes it was a transient connection and, and we you know it's not like we ended up dating but um but that night was just yeah it was I, it definitely is one of the ones that sticks in my head for sure just for sure. that he came round, right and you were like wow he's amazing and you had like the most amazing kisses and like sort of semi-dry humps sort of and then he said to you like I need to let you know I'm waiting until I'm married. So I think you're amazing. And I really see, I feel sparks. Let's just take it slow. Um, what would you do? I mean, here, here's the thing. I don't know that I would wait till I was married. Like if I was going to get married again and, and I was with someone, they were like, I want to wait till I get married. I, I don't think I could do that because now it is such an integral part of a relationship. And I've discovered that you can have bad sex. Um, I mean, I've mostly I've had great sex, but you can have bad sex with people. And so what if you wait and that's what you end up with and then you're married to it? And the thing for me is like, well, I mean, like at that point, yeah, what do you do? And so I, pro I probably couldn't get on board with that. I could get on board if you wanted to wait a while, you know, and get to know each other better. But to wait for marriage, I'm not here for that. No. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, because like I say, I think there's a sense of like you discover a lot about each other that way. So if you don't do that, then you've kind of, you've missed out on that whole part of someone. Um, and I'm not going to lie. I wouldn't be able to wait. Like I just, from a, from a, from a needs perspective, I, that's not going to be something I could do. So foreplay know. wouldn't be enough? No, that would just... <laughs> That would make it worse. That's what I find. I'm like, I, if we can't do the full thing, don't touch me. Like, just please stay away from me. <laughs> I mean, you've really been through some highs, though. You've had some amazing sexual experiences. Do you... There, there wasn't really any bad ones in the book from... You know, I didn't really get a sense of, wow, that was horrendous. It was very positive. It was like, wow, it was like you found your mojo. And you were just connecting and, and really enjoying the kind of dating and the finding yourself. Yeah. Again. There was, there was, there was a couple that weren't great. Like, and I, I don't even remember if this is actually in there, but the guy who I named teeny Irish peen, like that, for example, wasn't a wonderful experience. And the guy that was much younger than I had thought he was, um, that wasn't a great experience. And I think it was just inexperience on his part. Um, and then the, the Italian Lebanese that I, did actually we ended up dating um but that first time wasn't amazing um and so there's been some not great great sorry dog um hi uh there's been some not great uh moments but um 
but no, I feel like I have been quite lucky, but I also feel like it's that energy thing. There's when you find people that are kind of on that level and I'm also now I'm, some people would say fairly explicit when I'm having conversations with men, um, even before we've necessarily like slept together, I'm, I will have conversations about like sexual preferences and cause I, I think they're fascinating conversations. And so it's kind of one of those things where I'm, I'm open to having those. And so when you are also open to having them, typically they're fairly experienced and, and open and, um, yeah. And, sexually I don't know advanced that's not the right word but you know like they they know what they're doing essentially so um and so that helps like for me that's that's really important as well as to meet someone I think if I, I can't imagine that I would connect with someone who was meek in that way you know it's just probably not something that I would it's not someone that I would feel I had a connection but I have been very lucky I've been very spoiled or not spoiled but I've been very I've been very lucky I've had some great times if you could have one of them round tonight, who would you pick? <laughs> oh my goodness, you are killing me. Um, <laughs> I would have Malaysian persuasion round. Okay. Because that was, yeah, oh, he was very, um, I've not seen him for years, so who knows? Who knows if it would be as it was, but it was great. So, yeah probably be that would be my my preference <laughs> i'm gonna get in so much trouble <laughs> you guys you need to you need to read this book to really connect with all these characters <laughs> I, just, I, I love the journey that you you take take us on and you're you're not afraid to be vulnerable and that's that's a really amazing thing because it's it's scary you know you talk about your therapy sessions and i mean i think would you say that was that was a whole game changer in terms of therapy for you. And you'd had stuff over the years before you moved to Canada, right? Yeah. And, and I had seen, yeah, I'd seen, uh, you know, therapists before and, um, and I life coach and things, but meeting Julia, which I talk about extensively in the book, who's my therapist now was, was like a huge game changer for me. And I think that that's what I could tell people as well when, when, and I've had a lot of friends who've reached out to me and asked about therapy and asked about my, my therapist and, and it's one of the things I always say is if you go and you don't like it, if it's the first time going to therapy and you, you go and you don't like it, try another therapist. Like it's the same with like a hairstylist or anything like that. Like they're not all the same. You need to have a personality fit. There needs to be an energy fit there. Um, there needs to be a sense of, of, you know, them having a real understanding of what it is that you're trying to, to achieve and where you've been and they all have different expertise. So like, that's always, um, a, a sort of key part of it. And so, but yeah, meeting Julia was just like instantly we clicked and, and she totally got where I'd been, where I, where I knew that I needed to get to. And, and so, yeah, we've had now a very long, long relationship um, of, of kind of working through things. And I still see her. I have an appointment with her on um, a week today and, and I, I love, I still love it. It's still so important for me. Um, and getting to that point where I was really doing the work. Cause I, you know, I'm very, like we say, very self-reflective and a very open person. I will talk about a lot of these things anyway, but to have someone who's a professional, who's unbiased, who is truly um, can can get you to sort of unpack it in a in a more systematic 
holistic way and a, and a more productive way in terms of there being an outcome and a solution and, and a path forward. That for me was huge. Um, it was a, a life-changing, uh, it was a life-changing relationship and experience for me, for sure. That's amazing. Was there a couple of bits of advice or a couple of breakthroughs that really still stick with you now that you got the, you know, the best sort of value out of it? Yeah, I think one of them was with regards to um, to my parents' divorce. And so that had, you know, as again, you know, I haven't had a relationship with my father for years and for all intents and purposes, like it was done. It was, it was, you know, we've all moved on from it, but definitely still some residual stuff there. And I think that one of the things that I struggled the most with was like, my mom is a phenomenal person. You know my mom very well. And she is an incredible woman and, you know, also has been through so much and, um, and, and it's still so classy and, and, you know, positive and warm. And so for her, or for me, when I was looking back on my parents' divorce, I struggled a little bit because I was like, I just felt so abandoned from in every way. And I think that was something that I had never fully accepted. And Julia and I had permission to be like, you can think all of those things about your mom and you can still love your mom and you can, you know, think that, that she is all of these, you know, incredible things, but you're still allowed to not, to, to have wanted more from her in that situation. And I think that's the same in, in any situation. You can think that someone, it doesn't make her less of a person. She was struggling with the, the situation with my father. Um, but, but I, I was allowed to, to, to have needed more as a, as a child going through my parents' divorce from both of my parents. Um, and yeah, I was an absolute bitch to my dad when I was speaking to him at those times. Um, but again, I, I, you know, and I felt so bad about that afterwards that I'd been such a, a bitchy, you know, teenager, but that, that was all I could do at the time, you know? And I think that forgiving myself for that was probably where we got to was sort of forget, allowing myself to have those feelings and, and knowing that that was okay and there wasn't really, you know, there wasn't anything to feel bad about from that perspective um, was huge. From my divorce, I mean, really just having someone that can help you build, rebuild your, your sense of self and self-worth. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think I could have done that by myself. Julia was, was instrumental to that and really getting back on, you know, whatever has happened to you is not who you are it's it's only what has happened externally um who you are is how you respond to that how you come back from it you know how you react to people how you treat people still um and so for me that was like kind of this much more forward thinking um piece rather than oh but when i was when i was married or when it, that happened or you know just really trying to look forward and and that was yeah, it's something that which I I would never have got to by myself. Like that just is not something that I think I would have stumbled upon by myself. So, um, yeah, get a therapist, people. Like <laughs> I always tell people that. I'm like, even if you think everything is fine, you could probably still do with a therapist. You know, a ther you know, normalizing therapy has definitely been one of my goals with my content, and it, I, it's just amazing when you hear people say, uh, you know, you've been you've encouraged them to to get therapy. Yeah. In, in America, it's probably more normal than it is in the UK, in Scotland. It is for sure. Yeah. Like I've, I've felt that. And I mean, you know, I've been away seven years now, so I'm sure it, things have definitely changed and hopefully we're there. But, um, but for sure, you know, North America is just, 
there is this, it's far more widely, widely accepted and, and discussed and, and sort of openly discussed. And so for me, that, that made a real difference as well was that, yeah, I got this recommendation from a friend. And so, you know, it's not the sort of thing that we would chat over like, you know, a glass of wine at home really. So for me, that was, <clears throat> that really allowed me to start on that journey probably more easily than I would have done if I'd stayed at home. Um, and yeah, the number of friends now that have reached out to me like, Hey, like, just wondering about therapy or wondering about your therapist or like, can I talk to you? And I'm like, yes, like, please come and let's have these chats. Like, I love it. I love those chats with friends. And so, you know, the more that that can happen, um, the better. So yeah, I'm, I'm all here for, for, you know, making normalizing therapy. Do you, you know, and, and the bit about writing the letter to your dad and was being, you knew you having that conversation, it was almost like forgiveness, releasing stuff. Like yeah. that's, that must've been so, cause there'll be people listening that perhaps are annoyed with someone they're they're harboring resentment and that nobody likes to have enemies. Right. But that must've really been a healing process. Yeah, it was. And <clears throat> I kind of, I was kind of annoyed at the beginning. Cause I was like, you know, this false pretense of write a letter. You'll never send it. You know, they always, it's like the, the cliched therapy um, exercise. And then we did send it and I was like, Oh, this wasn't really what my intention was, but it was a release. And I think that, you know, it's that form of closure where you have all these questions maybe that you want answers to, or these things that you just wanted to say, or, or, you know, or, or be like, you know, that wasn't really okay with me, <clears throat> especially in a parent to child relationship when the child is, is an actual child and a, a youngster. Um, there's that power dynamic. And so as a, as a 15 year old, I couldn't say a lot of those things to my dad. I was just a, a real, you know, moody teenager at the time. Um, instead, like that was the way that I tried to react to him. Whereas now as an adult where you're a lot more rational and you have a lot more of a emotional maturity, you can have a different conversation. And I think that was probably, like I said earlier, I don't know that I probably could have got through that blockage before. Like, I think I had to get to this point of emotional maturity to be able to have that. Um, but yeah, like to have that, to ha just to have the opportunity to say those things and, and, and ask the questions, n knowing that I might never get an answer, but still just to ask them, I think was really important for me. Um, and to put my perspective forward because ultimately people's actions have, have impact. And I think that I've, since then, I've always felt like if you do something that's not great, there should be, there should be a, a comeback for it or karma or, and, and I do believe in karma. And I think that takes care of itself, but from a personal perspective, often you still want to kind of have an impact on that. And so for me, it was just a really great opportunity to unload a lot of that, feel like it was this sense of, okay, I've said my piece. If nothing else ever happens, if nothing comes of it, that's absolutely fine. But I've put it out there. And so for me, that kind of gives me, that gives me a sense of closure from it um, all of those years later. And I guess maybe that's like uh, slightly, but not really the same with my, my ex-husband in the sense of like, yeah, there, I wonder if, cause my father was similar at the time. He was very, he didn't deny in fairness. He was just very blase about the whole thing and, and underplayed all of what was happening to us. Um, and I was just like, do, I mean, do you care at all? Like, do you, d does this even like strike a chord with you? Like that was really what I wanted to know was that in some way he'd been impacted by it. And I think that's probably similar to how I feel with my ex-husband is like, I just wonder, I'm like, did this change him at all? Or did he just about his life still being, you know, not a particularly 
trustworthy husband. So, you know, being able to, to unload that and to have those conversations, again, having difficult conversations, um, confronting things that you maybe don't want to, um, putting yourself out there, being vulnerable. Oftentimes you are, you are rewarded for doing that. And certainly I felt that way in that situation with my dad, despite the fact that we still don't have a relationship and that was my choice, but it, it kind of, it closed that loop. It sort of, you know, uh, it, it finalized that chapter of things, which was nice. Yeah. That must be real like tension from your shoulders lifted. You yeah. Know? And it was one of those things that like, it was part of the problem when I was drinking was I would get drunk and it would, it, it was always there. Like it was always there right in the back of my head. And so I, I would get angry and upset when I was drunk. And that was, that was why, because it was all of this resolved, uh, sorry, unresolved sort of emotional, um, you know, tension from, from things that had happened and I hadn't fully dealt with them. And so, um, yeah, that was not, not a fun place to be was then I'd wake up in the morning, but like, I, I, you know, my day to day sober, I'm like, I don't really th- think of it drunk and it's right there you know it and it comes back so um yeah that was so dealing with that and also giving up alcohol like those two things kind of had to go in hand in hand but um yeah it's it's a lot to, to sort of carry around with you like it's it's heavy it feels it feels heavy until you release it and it was great that you had that self-awareness around the alcohol and you had the self-control to go actually this isn't really serving me right now and you know you you said you know you know at the wedding you still had a port and a champagne because that's what I would be like like I love these things but ultimately your lifestyle changed and you decided that alcohol just wasn't really it was making things worse rather than better yeah I mean you know and it's such an easy uh an easy crutch to use in times of of you know trouble and strife um and I totally get it and I've I did it for for a very long time but yeah again if you're being honest with yourself and you're you're trying to grow and you're trying to self-reflect to be pouring alcohol on the fire essentially was what it was like it's not a great combination and so um yeah I had to make that decision and I think I'd known for a while that probably I should I, I, I knew I needed to cut down on my alcohol consumption I was classic binge drinker like I would, you know, not, I didn't drink during the week. I didn't come home and have a glass of wine by myself after work. I wasn't, it wasn't me, but when I would drink, I would drink. And so, um, you know, and it, for a while it was a few nights a week. Um, and I'd go out and, and it would just kind of get out of hand. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm just going to keep doing it and then, and get annoyed and, but I have no one to blame but myself at this point. So, um, yeah, I, I made that choice. And at the beginning it was just a sort of, okay, for now, I won't drink. And then it just sort of was easier than I thought. It was more enjoyable than I thought. I felt so good for it. And so then I was like, oh, well, maybe I'll just just keep, and you know, still people will say to me, so do you think you'll ever drink again? And I'm like, well, I do drink. Like, like you say, I had, you know, I'll have a glass of champagne at a wedding or, you know, if it's someone's birthday, now my gift to them is I might do a shot. And so, um, you know, but just one. And so it doesn't even touch the sides because I've had nothing else. And so I have a shot to kill. I'm like, this is, what is this? And so, um, but people seemingly love it from a social perspective. And so, um, yeah, but my life is, is undoubtedly better for not being soaked in alcohol is what I would say. <laughs> and you don't miss it. I mean, I, I miss, like you say, like, you know, you really enjoy having champagne and like, and I love, you know, I love a gin and I miss port with cheese or like a glass of red wine with a steak, but, but not enough to, to really 
to properly go back to drinking and you know yeah the the the, the cons just uh are massively outweighed by the pros so i i if i want if i really wanted it i would i would have one i have a i mean i still have a full bar in my house um that is filled with alcohol and my friends love it um but i i just look at it and be like okay yeah for when people come over you know so and again i think that that was part of the lifestyle though in vancouver is easier for that i think if i'd been back home still i don't know that it would have been as easy to give up alcohol in scotland let's be honest yeah there's a lot of pressure but i, I think things are changing and with like more spotlight on like mental health and stuff yes i think you know if you're using mental health as an excuse then people are a lot more sympathetic as you totally. said you know yeah like that's what i said to people i was like you know i'm, I'm not drinking for my mental health and no one at that point is going to be like just have one and you're uh -huh. like, Who are you? like what? so no like i said to people and i but again you're rewarded for being open about that right i was i was open about why i was doing it which was for my mental health and people rewarded me by being super respectful of that and it shouldn't really matter what you're why you're doing it if you've made that decision people should respect it regardless but yes it being from my mental health people were far more um were, were open to to supporting me and and not pressuring you know to have a drink or whatever so um so i appreciate that i also have great friends who were incredibly supportive of it and I, certainly a few friends damien being one of them who was like just a little sick of being like oh god here's drunk lou again you know so like for them it was just it was a win-win plus they now have a designated driver so everybody's happy they're absolutely delighted <laughs> um, i love there was something about your your boss had got in contact to say that you'd read the book and because you shared so much he started to open up about some stuff too that's just classic like why we do what we do why we share because it gets other people sharing right it's contagious totally and that was like part of the like, whole part of writing the book was just for people to feel that sense of of again like a safe sort of shared space and so yeah so my new boss is not in the book um but it's a job that i started after that and he my, my boss bought the book like as soon as it came out he got it on kindle and started to read it and i was like oh lord i mean i'm an open book but there's something about your boss knowing your preferences that is a little daunting and so um so yeah i was a little nervous about that but he's also like he's he's a, you know a really nice guy and we're kind of similar ages anyway and he's um he has his own life experiences kind of similar some of it is similar to mine and so yeah we you know he right away was like i feel i feel like i've kind of invaded your space by reading this book and he's like but i know that you've kind of invited people to do that by writing the stories he said but i think maybe it's because of the boss dynamic and um anyway so that was kind of when he first started reading and then he messaged me when he finished it the other night and he said you know i I loved it. I thought it was so good. Um, you should be so proud. Really enjoyed reading it all, getting to know more about you. Um, but I would love to level the playing field from a vulnerability perspective and share some of my life stories with you as well, if you would like to. Um, he's like, I think we've actually had a lot of similar experiences. And so, and like, how great, right? Like, this is my boss who could have just been like, um, I'm just never going to have video on Zoom ever again because I don't want to have to see your face. <laughs> like, <laughs> You know, it's, it, it, which, and a lot of people would be really not super comfortable with having conversations post, post those details about me. So 
yeah, I love it. And that was the point. It was for people to, to, to open up. And so if my boss has done it, as weird as that might be to have those conversations, I'm super here for it. You know, they're never as weird or as difficult and as awkward as you think. So, um, yeah, it was a lovely, it was a lovely message to wake up to the morning. When I woke up at like 6am and I have a message from my boss, I was like, Oh God, what's happened? But and then it was that. And I was like, Oh, this is so lovely. What a good guy. No, I know. Oh. But I've also, I've just had such great feedback. Like people have just been so lovely and, and also shared stories of their own, marriages or family trauma or ships or whatever it might be and it's just been really fascinating and I've loved it and I'm like that was essentially what I was hoping to elicit and the fact that I'm already seeing that like a couple of weeks after the book came out it's is phenomenal I love it it's exactly why I wrote it it's so brave and and you know there's there's a part where things get quite dark and you're really you know your mental health is just not great and you're really questioning everything and you're just thinking oh, I just can't do this yeah like what would you say to people that may be feeling that way now or or you know know someone that's feeling that way because you've obviously gone full circle yeah I mean I try not to give advice on things just because I I sometimes feel like it's it can sound so um contrite and just a little uh a little self-serving and and also I can only speak from my experience and everybody's is different having said that what I would say is like for me time was so important and it's such a cliche and it's so annoying because when you want time to go faster it never does and when you want time it also never does and so you know you're in those dark moments and all you want is to feel better all you want is to have had you know distance and separation and, and time to heal and time feels like it's literally standing still, but it really does make a difference. And I think accepting that where you are right now is not where you're always going to be um, is also really important. And again, then getting comfortable with where you are right now not trying to force out of it, not trying to rush ahead, not trying to ignore what's going on, um, kind of sitting in that darkness and, and getting a little bit more comfortable with it is really important. Mm -hmm because it will lift and it, and it will change. Um, but also in those darkest moments, and you probably have felt this as well, or from those darkest moments, I should say, is when you truly start to get a sense of your strength and your power and your resilience. And again, looping back to exactly what we talked about at the beginning, if you didn't have those dark moments, you would never get challenged in that way that brings that out of you. And I think that's really important. So true. Boom. <laughs> oh, honestly it's it's so amazing sort of seeing where you've you've came with us and i'm already excited to to read book number two <laughs> it's so funny so i'm actually currently in quarantine over here in vancouver um i had a little exposure to covid and so i am indoors for two weeks um it finishes in a few days, thankfully. But this weekend is a long weekend in Vancouver, which I'm not allowed out for, and it's beautiful weather, and I'm not super happy about that. Um, but I actually, this morning was like, I think I might start writing a few words for book two. So yeah. that's, yeah, so I think that might happen. But I, I don't, you know, it's just, <clears throat> it's very early stages and just thoughts and things. But um, yeah, it's, I, I've just, I've, I've loved the whole process. I've loved already the feedback that I've had. Um, but I am very excited to see where, where book one ends. And yeah, and the conversations that it, that it brings about, because I think that's the, that's the most important part.
Yeah, so true. No, and so if people want to contact you, where's the best place? Where's your preferred place of people to get in touch? So you can either, um, my website has all the details. You can also order my book there and that is louisejohnsonauthor.com. Um, or you can connect with me on Instagram. Um, if you want to see a little bit of Vancouver and also my adorable little pup who has been a, a little bit of a nightmare while we've been on this call. So apologies for that. But um, my Instagram is underscore Louise underscore Johnson underscore. A lot of underscores. You should be able to find me. And yeah, connect with me on there. Um, I also have a uh, Facebook page, Louise Johnson author. You can find me there too. But the book is available on Amazon. It's on Kindle, on Kobo. Um, so if you want to buy copies, you can, you can get them all there. I was also hoping that I would have been back in Scotland doing a little bit of a book launch right about now, but COVID put paid to that. So yeah, there's a lot to answer for, hasn't it? <laughs> well, and the, and the book too will have all about COVID dating in it. So uh, yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, and, and, you know, you're, you're clearly, there was a good bit about, you know, you're speaking about ego and, you know, the ego tells us we should be a certain stage in our life where we should have this we should have this you know the lifestyle and whatever and actually it's that expectation that it's not always it's not always what's important no it, and I think it's like it's social narratives it's narratives that we've grown up with and they're so ingrained in us that in some ways we don't even like question it it's just like you've been told from uh, you know from the beginning of time that this is the, the stages that you should follow in life and so when you're not, or you're kind of, you go off course a little bit, then it can start to feel like you're kind of failing. And I, you know, used air quotes for that, but it's, it's, it's just not true. And it's also not for everybody. Like not everybody wants to get married. Not everybody wants to have kids. And so there's a lot of that aspect as well, as I just think, you know, maybe just being a little more questioning of what we actually want afraid to, to buck the trend or to not go the, the traditional route or whatever that might be. I think those are kind of the key the key aspects of that um because yeah traditional timelines i mean it is changing society is definitely you know getting a little more um open to to people not doing the you know kids or marriage kids you know all that kind of stuff um especially for women and there's obviously a lot of more society uh pressure on on us but um like for me it was just harrison and and feeling like I should be earning a certain amount or living a certain way or, you know, doing all these things. And it's like, that's just not, maybe that's just not for me. Like, you know, this other life, this, this life that I could never have imagined that I'm living currently, what is to say that is not better or equally as good for me or, you know, where I was meant to be. And I think that's what I have come to learn is like those feelings of, when it intuitively feels right, when you feel like, oh, I don't know what's going on and I don't really understand how I got here, but it feels really right. Like that's the bit to, to connect to. Not the fact that it's, that this isn't quite where you feel or quite where you should be. It's actually that it feels right. So who else, who cares, you know? Who cares what everyone else says? Yeah. Um, and that's, that's what I've had to get really comfortable with. Yeah, and uh, just give that ego a slap if it ever, you know yeah. if you can feel it totally because that that's all it is right it's 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 where uh, it's where shame lives is, is in your ego and so i think that there is a sense of you know being able to kind of quieten that voice um and 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 keep true to yourself without letting the ego get involved um or shame then we it would we'd all be better off but it's 
So it is do it. It's it's a challenge. It's like a daily thing as well of of trying to just ignore that. So um, yeah, my my ego definitely at times was was not helpful you know in trying to be like oh no this is totally fine that I you know I I thought my life was was built was was good was where it was going to be was you know on a trajectory and then you're like oh I've completely lost my path okay so um but then you get to rebuild and who doesn't love rebuilding you know you get to rebuilding yeah that's what it's all about <laughs> so I always make people sing at the end, but we're on Zoom, so that's quite hard. I mean, if you want to sing a few lines, but have you got a song that would kind of sum up the book? Um, it's getting hot in here, so take off all your clothes. I am getting so hot, I want to take my clothes off. <laughs> that definitely has the possibility to be a very good song for the book. Uh, yeah, that's definitely of it, I would say but there was actually a song and I'm just trying to remember what it was let me see if I can find it there was a song that I listened to um when I before I was moving and it was by One Republic oh that's it it was by One Republic and their album had just come out just as I was moving and it was called I Lived and basically it talks about like at the end of it all I just want to be able to say that I lived and I think that was like for me coming out here not knowing what the hell I was doing I was like you just have to go and just do it just live it just like experience it all do all the things and if you have to go home you go home but like you go and you do it and so that was yeah One Republic I Lived is the song I'm gonna listen to that they also did It's Too Late to Apologize classic isn't it so that's probably a good one but uh, I Lived I'm gonna play that and um I really enjoy the word. I think you like it. I think it's right up your alley. <laughs> I love it. And and do you have a favorite quote or anything just to sort of um the quote that's at the back of the book actually. So Khalil Gibran who is a Lebanese writer poet um Lebanese. Eh? <laughs> and and actually so he he was the he was one of the topics of conversation with Hot Doctor that night that I talked about earlier. And his quote is your living is determined not so much by what life brings to you as by the attitude that you bring to life. Not so much by what happens to you as by the way your mind looks at what happens. And I think that's the thing is like, it doesn't actually matter what happens. It's like how you respond to it, how you react, how you personally choose to experience it because it is all a choice. And so, yeah, that's one of my favorite quotes. So there you it's go. almost like life is meant to be a test. <laughs> it's one big old test, Joe. Well, and sometimes you're really failing. I'd give you an E. I think you're eating it. So well, I'm not doing so badly. You know, we we're really we've had some had some moments, both of us, um, really coming through it. Coming through it and and looking for the the lessons and the character. That's the lessons and the laughter. If you can find one or both of those in an experience, you're good to go. You're yeah, we, we've been laughing about some things that you would just think far <laughs> too soon to laugh about. But I mean, like, yeah, it's just, it helps, yeah. you know? Because what are you going to do? You, I mean, you could sit and cry, and at some point you should sit and cry. But once you've moved on from that, then it's a good thing to be able to laugh about it, you know? Oh, it's yeah. Just, just have a laugh at yourself. Don't take it too seriously, you know? But um, no, it's great. I've really enjoyed this and I'm sure everyone's got a lot from it. So thank you for being so honest. 
Thank and, you so much for having me. Keep up the blogging, the writing, the dreaming, the the kind well, of soul living, the heart led living. Yes. And, um, looking forward to seeing what's next for you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jojo. I have loved this. Love you. Love, love you. you. <laughs> oh, Lulu, I love that. Let's jump into this song. Hope that you fall in love and it hurts so bad. Oh, I've been there. The only way you can know is give it all you have. Take all your energy. <laughs> and I hope that you don't suffer but take the pain. Oh yeah, these words are really doing it for me. Hope when the moment comes, you'll say, I, I did it all. I, I did it all. Own it. I owned every second that this world could give. So many places, the things that I did with every broken bone, I swear I lived. Oh, yes, what a tune, guys! One Republic, I lived. Pauletta, and when that sun goes down, hope you raise your cup, raise it loud, raise it high. I wish that I could witness all your joy and all your pain But until my moment comes, I'll say I, I did it all Do all the highs and lows I, I did it all I owned it second this world could get so, so many places the things that I did yeah, with every broken bone I swear I lived I hope you live guys